When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith, and he's back. Alan Saunders back on the show. Uh, listen, we love having Nick Faribault here, but it didn't feel right, honestly, the last couple episodes. Not hearing the voice on the intro as well. Alan. Oh, yeah, on? yeah, because we lose Brandon Rossi when we lose one yeah. of us, right? But we've got to mm-hmm. get him back and get him to do some more intros. Like, yeah, yo, today on the Steelers Afternoon Drive, it's – Zachary Smith and some other guy. I don't know. We come up with something. Um, actually, I think we don't have Brandon on. Um, should I give away mm. our plans or should I not give away our plans? Let's not give away our plans. I wouldn't give it away yet. No, yeah, we still got a few days left in January. But, uh, yeah. So uh, we have Brandon on. Um, yeah, I had a couple days uh, of of running around. I was in a car accident last week, uh, mm. and my car is totaled. And so I've been trying to get a new one. It's been very frustrating. I leave for the Senior Bowl on Monday. Nothing's done. It's been a week. So let's just talk about football and put life aside because that's what we do, right? Well, yeah, I'm glad that you're here to talk about football even after this accident, obviously. Um, Alan, a lot has happened since the last time that we, the two of us spoke. Obviously, Nick and I have covered a lot of that on here, everything that's been happening. But even we have missed something because there's, in that last day, just today, Gerard Johnson added to the OC mix for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's where I want to start here. Uh, Interesting candidate. I think, you know, with their interest in Zach Robinson, it makes sense because you could kind of draw some comparisons there. Uh, Quarterback coach doesn't have the play calling experience. Certainly makes sense. Falls under that 
McVeigh realm because he worked with under Kevin O'Connell and then Bobby Slowick. So maybe some Shanahan stuff thrown in there as well with his time with the Texans. What do we make as Gerard Johnson as a candidate here? Steelers legend Gerard Johnson. I have to yes, be absolutely. completely honest. I had no recollection of him being on the team mm. like I, at all. I didn't even. I can't. It happened. I don't really like. Like, do you remember anything there's, there's about pictures. his his tenure as Steelers quarterback? Like, I I've got nothing. I assume that he played in some preseason games, but I don't remember any of them. I don't know. Maybe it's like a memory hole thing. I I don't know. But uh, right. You know, I think if you when you look at Gerard Johnson's resume, especially his playing resume, it really mm-hmm. just like screams guy who's going to be a coach. Um, <laughs> Played for yeah. something called the Hartford Colonials. I don't even know what league that was in, let alone like what time of year. I don't know. He also played for the Arizona Rattlers, uh, which I believe was indoor football, like maybe Arena League. Uh, the San Francisco Mountain Lions. He had the trip to Canada here with the Montreal Alouettes and played for something called Your Call Football, which I think was the predecessor to that fan controlled football that uh. I don't know, like it's 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 a guy who loves football, right? Because you don't yeah. go play in the CFL and in the UFL, I think that's where Hartford and Sacramento yeah. were in mm-hmm. Arena League and hang around for eight years. I mean, he was he was playing for eight years without ever playing an NFL regular season game. He just found a way to be on an off-season roster, be on some kind of minor league roster. So I think the thing that jumps out to me is like, these are the guys that become coaches, right? You have a quarterback, obviously loves the game, passionate, uh, willing to, you know, go the extra mile in terms of effort and really like way beyond uh, to, to try to make it for a career. I think those, the, that really stands out to me just in terms of like, those are the kind of players that make good coaches. His actual coaching resume is a little thin. I mean, compared to the other guys, he's sure. a much yeah. younger guy. He's 35 years old. And because he drug out his playing career longer than anyone could have possibly expected, uh, he didn't get into it until later. And so his first real job was as a quality control coach with the Indianapolis Colts a whopping four years ago. I mean, that is not a long resume. Uh, I've had a podcast longer than he's been a coach. Uh, so, like, that's... Yeah, same. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you had a podcast a lot longer than he's been a coach. Uh, so... Uh, there's, there's questions, right. About the, the depth of experience, but like you said, like the, the, the what little coaching experience there is, uh, works under a, you know, a Shanahan disciple works under a McVeigh disciple, uh, has worked with CJ Stroud, who obviously did very well, worked with Kirk cousins the year before. It feels like there's a lot to like there. I just don't know how big of a deal breaker the lack of experience is. Sure. Like, is he the ideal candidate? Does he check every box? Probably not. But I just think there's so much intrigue now with anybody that's coming from his realms and a guy that comes from both. I mean, you know, learned under both those guys. There's five teams. This would be his fifth. Pittsburgh would be a team that with an offensive coordinator opening that has talked to this guy. So it's not just the Steelers that are obviously interested in picking this guy's brain. It's like it's real. There's something there. Does it is it entirely because of CJ Stroud? Is it just the background again coming from both the McVay and the Shanahan stuff? I don't know. I think that there's just a lot to work with there, even though it's a small body of work. I wonder if uh you know, we had talked the last time we talked about that kind of different 
you know, ways you can arrange the coaching staff where you may have an mm. older guy and a younger guy. And like, obviously Gerard Johnson, very inexperienced, never called plays at any level other than as a quarterback. Um, you yeah. know, some of these other guys, maybe they haven't been an NFL offensive coordinator, but they've been a college offensive coordinator. He's never even done that. And so, man, I think there's a lot of question marks, but he's also like has a ton to bring to the table. I feel like this is a, Big this like if if he would be the higher, this is a high risk, high reward move, right? Where like it could work horribly. I mean, it's it's the same kind of move, not the same, not the same exact kind of move because Matt Canada was coming from a college system, but like it's the same kind of thing where you're taking a chance on someone or something that could work out really well and it could work out awfully. Uh, I don't know if that's where the Steelers are in their mindset or not. Uh, I understand why he's an attractive candidate around the league, though. Yeah, I mean, so if you look at the the net, that, and we haven't even gotten your thoughts on the Thomas Brown stuff, because, again, that was since you've been uh, on the podcast. That the last time we talked, you know, the names that were thrown out there were Zach Robinson and then Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury thing, apparently not real. Apparently, he's not really part of this offensive coordinator search, at least at this time. Um, but Thomas Brown added to the mix, and then now, obviously, Gerard Johnson. One, what is your thoughts on thomas brown's addition to the mix because unlike these other guys you know doesn't have that quarterback background yeah or it was a running back at georgia i believe um and uh was a running backs coach was a tight ends coach was a you know came from that side of the offense and then you know got to carolina last year and it was just a disaster right frank reich started calling plays then he gave it to brown then he took it back then he got fired then brown got it back but it was never really his playbook it was never really his scheme it was never really his offense in terms of experience as an offensive coordinator it's like you almost can't even check that box even though his most recent post was the carolina panthers offensive coordinator we haven't seen what a thomas brown led and run offense where he doesn't have someone looking over his shoulder uh, would look like. And by the way, this happens a lot when you're talking about guys that are offensive coordinators under offensive head coaches, uh, where you have guys like Alex Van Pout under Kevin Stefanski, where it's like, is he good? Is he not good? We don't really know because we don't really know what he did. Eric Bieniemy, when he was under Andy Reid, had a lot of those same perception issues until he went to Washington and coached with Ron Rivera. And I think that started to, to resolve some of that for him. But I think it's really hard to tell when you have that dynamic of who's doing what who's responsible for what. And so you almost have to write off last year. Even if you write off last year and look, last year was bad, right? I mean, the Panthers were awful. They might've ruined the first overall draft pick. Like nothing good came of last year in Carolina. Uh, I yeah. still have big questions about whether a Tom Thomas Brown or just a Thomas Brown like candidate would be the right direction for the Steelers. I understand the connection to the McVay tree, but if the idea is to get Kenny Pickett right, how is a running backs coach going to do that? Sure. I think this is kind of what makes him a prime candidate of what we've talked about, what Nick and I talked about, where you're going into this process, but maybe they take two guys from this process that they're interviewing as offensive coordinator candidates, and one of them becomes a quarterback coach, pass game coordinator, whatever it is. Like maybe you're talking about, I I'm getting kind of sick of throwing his name around, but again, just for the sake of doing it, maybe you get like a Thomas Brown and a Pep Hamilton both on the staff out of this process yeah i could see that or or the other way maybe you get a gerard johnson and then yeah arthur smith right mm -hmm. I mean, like something like that i actually uh, like that one a lot more to be honest with you but yeah me too um <laughs> I, I could where do i sign up for that one actually uh and i don't i mean like that 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 would work really well uh i could see 
that working. And I really do. We've talked about this, but I really do expect them to hire at least two people of this group that they're talking about. Um, man, I don't know. I just don't know. I think there's a, too many questions for me about Thomas Brown, the lack of quarterback developing experience, the mess that happened in Carolina. And, and again, not any real bona fide experience. I mean, he's never really done it. Unlike a guy that has, you know, there are candidates in this pool, none that the Steelers have interviewed. Maybe we'll go there next that have actually been like full-time regular play callers of an NFL offense before. And Mike Tomlin said a week ago, that's what he wanted. And mm -hmm. none of them have really been interviewed. I guess Brown and Kingsbury, like kind of two halves of the same coin, right? Brown was an offensive coordinator, but didn't call the plays. Kingsbury was technically head coach, but did, but still like not, not the normal coordinator experience that, that you would think that they would be after. Yeah, what do you make of the Kingsbury thing, by the way, before we go into because I want to talk about just like the trends so far mm, of this yeah. search, but like the Kingsbury thing, does it in, in your mind, I don't know people that you've talked to, does it sound like he is going to get any interest from them? Like, or are we just because Jerry Dulac put out there today that it doesn't seem like he's part of the search. So, you know, when you're talking about a guy like Johnson or Robinson, who is currently under contract with another NFL team, the Steelers have mm -hmm. to formally make an interview request. And even though it is sort of like a rubber stamp thing because those teams can't stop those guys from interviewing for a position that is a promotion. There still is like a league process for the Steelers to interview guys that are working for other teams. There's also a league process that the Steelers have to publicize the candidates that satisfy their Rooney rule requirements. So like when Thomas Brown gets publicized that because he's African-American, that satisfied the Rooney rule requirements. So they have to make that public. If they want to talk to people that are not under contract with an NFL team, there doesn't need to be an official part of that process. So like Cliff Kingsbury can literally just pick up the phone and call Mike Tomlin and be like, Hey, I heard you're looking for an offensive coordinator. I might be interested. Let me know if you are, let's talk. And it okay. doesn't, you know, so it seems like he is not going to get an interview. Uh, that doesn't mean that there wasn't some level of interest. You know, I think this is one of the things where sometimes you read two things and you're like, those seem to be opposed, but actually it ends up where like they're both technically true, right? Like the Steelers yeah. probably did talk to Cliff Kingsbury about their opening and it seems like they're not going that direction. I would have been astonished if the Steelers wanted Cliff Kingsbury. That offense doesn't fit their personality, doesn't fit their personnel, and might not fit the NFL, period. So, like, I think that was a bad idea that they probably dodged a solid bullet if that's uh, true, that they're not going that direction. But, yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's one of those things where guys like that, Arthur Smith, uh, who are not working for another NFL team, not under contract, things can be a lot less formal than a guy, you know, we send the other team a letter. They say, okay, he flies in. We do an interview. Uh, we we tweet that it's public. There can be a lot. There's, there's varying levels of, of interest that can go uh, in a different direction when you're talking about guys that aren't uh, currently under contract to another NFL team. And in the case of Zach Robinson, like we've heard that they would like, they want to meet with him. They put in a request to meet with him. Um, but you've seen so many things, like it seems like six teams are after him, like Atlanta with Raheem mm -hmm. Morris, that seem like a logical spots. Uh, Tampa Bay just put in a request for him or did interview him uh, with Dave Canales going to Carolina. Like, is he still in your mind a candidate for the Steelers or because of the, how long it seems like the process is going to be for the Steelers? Or are they likely going to miss out on a guy like that? I mean, I think we should still consider him a candidate for the Steelers until he's not. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear that, 
you know, it, it seems like that Raheem Morris is trying to take him with him. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. as I always say in the coaching world relationships, I mean, that that's what matters most. Right. I mean, the, the guys are going to want to work for people that they know, uh, that they know they like. And so um, it seems like that's what's going to happen with Zach Robinson. Again, not like entirely sure that the Steelers were, although they wanted to interview him. Like, I haven't gotten the sense that any of the people that we've talked about connected to this job yet are guys that are like, got to have him for the Steelers. You know, I, they don't check all the boxes, right? They have not yeah. interviewed a candidate that is really like a just I can't miss for them kind of guy. And so let's go there next. Let's talk about the trends. If we can sort of okay. lump yep. these four reported interests anyway, two interviews and two reported, ver- one requested interview and one reported level of interest. If we could take those four guys together, let's kind of talk about maybe what we learned about this process by these first four names. Okay. So the first one, at least that, that we had heard was Zach Robinson. Right. And, you know, very clear to see what that is there. Um, Seems to be this, the next guy in line from the McVeigh tree. Um, And, and, and you look at like Thomas Brown, obviously McVeigh. And you look at Gerard Johnson was with both McVeigh and Shanahan. To me, Kingsbury is kind of the one that sticks out as like, Hmm, this one seems a little bit, off, although I guess you could say Thomas Brown not having the quarterback background kind of makes him stick out as well. So I think Johnson and uh, Robinson make sense. They're kind of like the same cloth in terms of the, yeah, again, like the lack of experience. Fact, when it was first reported that Zach Robinson got an interview, which surprised us, uh, mm-hmm. me and Nick Farabaugh started talking like, okay, if Zach Robinson's getting an interview, who else yeah. is getting an interview? And the first guy we came up with was Gerard Johnson. Like that, that was. Yeah. You know, they're very, very similar candidates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know somebody that knows Gerard Johnson and they, when he got an interview in Cleveland, they sent it to me and I said, well, he's going to get an interview in Pittsburgh too, because of Zach Robinson. And they were like, you think? And I'm like, they're, yeah. If, if you're interviewing Zach Robinson, you're interviewing Gerard yeah. Johnson. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, to me, Kingsbury's the one that I, I've been, I guess, most Zach Robinson by. got hurt instead of spending nine years in the UFL. That's like the only difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, I think so. I think there's some similarities that stick out, right? Three guys that played quarterback professionally in Kingsbury, Mm -hmm. Johnson and Robinson. The Steelers did not have a single guy who played quarterback at the FBS level on their staff last year. The in fact, Mm. this is hilarious. Maybe I mentioned this on this show before or not, but the the most accomplished quarterback in the Steelers organization in 2023 was like Catman Cole Marku who played at Dartmouth and like got moved to tight end or Danny Rooney who also played at Dartmouth. Like that's it. That's, that's where they got like, it's, it's nothing. Um, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable to me that you have an entire organization of coaches and scouts and, and executives and you don't have anybody to play quarterback. Like that's crazy. So I think, Somewhere along the line, that's the thing that probably needs to be fixed. Um, the second thing that I see with this group of candidates is, and we talked about it, but you know, three McVeigh trees, uh, two and a half McVeigh trees, and a half Shanahan tree. And even though Kingsbury doesn't really count, like he's also like a disciple of the air raid offense, which is another like different sort of scheme that has been popular, more popular at college than the NFL. But it certainly seems like this is shopping around at okay what are other people doing that is working 
and let's see if we can pull people from those paths uh, to bring them to the Steelers. So I think that's interesting. The the one that really stands out to me, though, is, is the lack of guys that have just been there, done that offensive coordinators. And I understand, right, it's hard to hire someone who has been an offensive coordinator that has not also failed at being an offensive coordinator and then gotten fired for it. Like that's, those are the guys that are available. Right. It, but there are some, uh, Arthur Smith never really failed as an offensive coordinator. He got promoted to head coach and failed at that. Okay. And now he's like it, just the same place Todd Haley was when the, the Steelers hired them, right. Looking for a bounce back. Clint Kubiak was an offensive coordinator. His head coach got fired, uh, from above him and, and, you know, got left scrambling to find another opportunity where he did, in San Francisco. So you have those guys, right? There's a couple of them. And then you have the guys that have been fired, uh, but for better or worse, have found their way around and, and, you know, are still doing it. Guys like Daryl Bevel. Um, I, I, I really feel like those are the, you know, Kellen Moore, uh, you can put in that group too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really feel like those are the guys that I expected us to be talking about more that were not. And I don't really know what to make of that. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I mean, when I asked you earlier this week about just like the process and expectations for it, um, I didn't think that if if these guys that we're talking about that have been linked to them already were even going to be part of the process, I certainly didn't think they would be amongst the first ones to come out like this. Um, maybe like one to whatever one to satisfy the Rooney role or whatever would come out early, but just in terms of like the names that we've heard so far in totality with no Arthur Smith, with no Pep Hamilton, with no Daryl Bevel. Yeah, Pep Hamilton, um, right. Yeah, right. He belongs in that conversation too. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, the one that the one that I just like keep expecting, and maybe it's just because like they're still playing and aren't doing it virtually, is Clint Kubiak. Like I, I fully expect that he's going to be part of this process and hope that he is. Yeah, so I guess why that is has been a interesting time on Steelers Twitter over the last 48 hours. People have some crazy theories about this search and why maybe they haven't interviewed any of these top guys. And the one that keeps coming up is that like there's this idea that this is not an attractive job. And I just I can't get over it, man. I, I it's, it's it's one crazy. of 32 offensive coordinator jobs. And it's not like every single one is open every single year. Like there's less than a there handful. Are eight open right now. Yeah. Nine if you count Buffalo, which seems like. I think, but st- wait, still open? There's that many? Eight, yeah. We're going into the offseason. Okay. Eight. I'm surprised. All right. Um, well, Canales getting hired as a head coach open. There were yes. seven. Okay. There were yeah. seven. All right. Um, so th- there are only eight of these jobs. If you get offered one, 90% of the time you take it. Like that, I mean, that's 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 just the, the the base level thing. It's not like people like, oh yeah, hang on, let me talk to this other guy. But it's it's not like me buying a car, right? Where I put off, uh, you know, the Volkswagen dealer while I go talk to Subaru. Like that's not how it works. If you turn down one of these jobs, not even turn down. If you don't immediately accept one of these jobs when you're offered it, you're probably not getting it. Like they're gonna move on to somebody else right away. And so. It's not like guys are holding multiple offers and sitting here weighing like, oh, would I rather work for the Steelers or would I rather work for the Browns or would I rather work for the Eagles? Like that's that's not how it works. If you get offered one of these jobs, it's it's don't walk out of this building or this offer is not good anymore. And that's how you end up with like Shane Waldron taking the job with the Bears because does he know he's going to get another offer? No, so he takes the one he gets. Like that that's that's how it works. That's why there is an advantage to if you're going to fire your coaches, doing it early and not making the playoffs, so you get to this point 
ahead of everyone else. Yeah, and that so I asked you about Waldron with like that same type of thing, you know, with him taking the deal so early in the process without seemingly going on like an interview tour, if you will, with all these other teams. But a guy like Zach Robinson, who has met with six teams, um, are you you still view it the same way though? Like if one of these teams actually makes him an offer, it's unlikely that he's going to do interviews with whatever teams he would have already had him lined up with after, but hadn't completed. The only yeah yeah now maybe a team would like him but not immediately offer him the job because they want to talk to other mm-hmm. people too like that can happen I mean there's teams yeah. that are gonna that have said from the beginning we're gonna do two rounds of interviews we're gonna do you know a big round and then we'll do a second like there's different teams have different processes but once you get to the point where you're sitting across from an NFL head coach or general manager and they're saying we want to hire you right now if you walk out of that building it's probably never happening like that that's usually the way it goes. Yeah. So like, yeah. it's not like guys are sitting there weighing their options. Like, oh, I wouldn't want to work for the Steelers. Like, no, they're and like the, the this is another thing where I think Steelers fans have confused the recent lack of success of the team for the perception of the team from the outside. Like, the Steelers yeah. are a blue ribbon NFL franchise. They are like the gold standard of how to run an NFL franchise. Of how to be a, a like Art Rooney is held up as an example to other owners. Mike Tomlin is held up as an example to other head coaches. When we go to places, or we're going to go to the Senior Bowl, and there's going to be not media, not players. There's going to be other coaches that are like lined up trying to get a minute of Mike Tomlin's time. Like he's like the coaching version of a rock star. There's no. Uh, you know, if the Beatles have an opening, you go play with the Beatles, right? I mean, like that's that's what he is to that group of people. I understand that he is not that to the Pittsburgh fan base right now, but um, the idea that the Steelers' job wouldn't be attractive uh, is crazy. And also, like, yeah, I get it. People are down on the level of talent on the roster, but uh, newsflash: teams don't fire their offensive coordinator because they have a great situation on their offense. I mean. Maybe Philadelphia, you could say like, okay, this is a team that actually has pretty much everything it needs and they just didn't figure it out for some reason. But most of the time, if you're interviewing for an offensive coordinator job, that offensive coordinator got fired in part because they screwed up, but in part because they just didn't have the guys. And that's going to be a part of the process is you've got to trust the, the, the people that you want to work for to get them. And like, man, I, I don't know. what Would you want to work for Mike Tomlin, who you know is not going to get fired, is about to get a contract extension, work for the most stable ownership group in probably the entire league? Um, you know, man, like that's – people don't want to move their family across country and then have what happened to Clint Kubiak happen to them, where, you know, the head coach gets fired and then they're stuck, right? Like that – the stability and the predictability of the way the Steelers do business is such a huge benefit. They're not – if they want people, they're not going to have a problem getting people. I, I, I firmly believe that. Yeah, I, I'm glad because that was it. You actually answered, I feel like, most of my question there because my follow up to why we feel like that is because I, I was going to ask why you feel like that is the perception because we know we've seen the talk on Twitter about it not being as attractive of a job. And we've seen the talk on Twitter about people seemingly thinking it's like a power trip or an ego thing for Mike Tomlin to not want to have, you know, serious candidates on the staff with him. I, yeah hard for me to fathom i don't get where that's coming from but i just i think it's a lack of perception or actually know what's knowing what's going on within the organization that causes that yeah the idea that mike tomlin is some sort of like power trippy ego driven guy i don't know like it's like baffling to me i really don't understand it i mean 
so there's like a couple thoughts that I see out there all the time, repeated all the time. Like, oh well, he he uh, he can't. He, he has to be the smartest guy in the room. He's afraid to. He's threatened by hiring someone who could. Be, the man has the most job security of anyone in the state of Pennsylvania, probably. He has no reason to be threatened by anyone. Like, what are they going to do? Come in and help his team win and give him a lifetime contract instead of just like as long as he really wants to do it contract? Like, what what could happen to Mike Tomlin that he would be threatened by anyone? Also, like, look at the person. What about his personality would suggest that he's threatened by literally anything? Like, I don't know. I would the idea of Mike Tomlin being threatened by something is like funny to me. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like you may as well say like, who's threatening James Harrison. Like, like, I don't know. Like he's not the, and, and with Tomlin, it's not physical strength. It is just pure unadulterated confidence in himself. Like that is the most, maybe the most confident man I've ever met. I, I can't imagine him being threatened by anyone, especially not someone who's going to help his team win. Uh, which is the thing that he wants to do the most. And in terms of like, I saw some other people, oh, well, would Tomlin let a new coordinator really install his own system? Yeah. Now you could make this argument about the defense, right? You would have a point if we were talking about hiring mm-hmm. a defense coordinator. I feel yeah. very strongly that Mike Tomlin's deep preference would be to never touch the offensive side of the football again. Like he would be happy as a clam if he had a number five or lower offense and he just never had to lift a finger on that side of the ball. I think he'd be like, I could do this for another 20 years. <laughs> like, like that's he don't want to do that. That's not what he specializes in. And like the idea that a defensive head coach would be unattractive to an offensive coordinator candidate is backwards. That's who offensive coordinator candidates want to work for. That is where you get that freedom. That's so you don't end up like Alex Van Pelt or Eric Bieniemy, mm-hmm. where nobody knows how good you are. It is where you go to a place and then you don't actually get to install the scheme or the system that you wanted, right? You get told what to do by your head coach mm-hmm. who specializes in your side of the ball. If I had an offense coordinator, I'd much rather work for Mike Tomlin than Kyle Shanahan. Like, I, I can't, I can't prove myself as Kyle Shanahan's offensive coordinator because everyone will just attribute all the good things that happen to Kyle Shanahan. If I go do great as an offense with Mike Tomlin as my head coach, they're all going to know it was me. And that's the way coaches think. Like they're, We are talking about confident people, man. They're not worrying or wondering about negative things. They are planning on succeeding and what is going to happen when they do. And mm-hmm. so well, why wouldn't you work for Mike Tomlin? That's a great point. Uh, how, do, how do you think that we got here? Like, uh, How is the fan base? I really, I mean, I understand that Tomlin is not currently well liked and that his recent results have not been up to mm-hmm. the standard of the franchise and, frankly, himself uh, that he said earlier in his career. But I don't understand where we got to this point with this like mythology where people just make stuff up and I don't know, convince themselves or other people that it's real. Uh, that, that he's some sort of like tyrant that he like what that he that he doesn't give his coordinators freedom to do their job. Like I, I don't know where that comes from. Like I don't think that he is any more or less involved in his coordinators' jobs than the average NFL head coach. Like I, I it's very strange to me. 
I'm on the same boat. So hopefully somebody can explain it to me. Um, but I don't think that they're going to be able to to convince me of anything that makes sense. I mean, uh, okay. I think it's yep. I think there's reasonable arguments to be made that he has not done enough. Right? We sure. talked about it on the on the show. Like we talked during the season about how they did not look like a well coached team at all points and how they've done lots of things that didn't make sense. And I've written like dissertations worth of stuff that Mike Tomlin has gotten wrong. I just don't think any of what I'm seeing right now about him and the way it pertains to the search makes any sense. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, that's all what it's about. It's about being fair about the situation. And I think right, that like, that's I sat there and like ripped him up and down for not kicking and not going for two when they uh, should have late in the Buffalo game. Like that was an obvious mm-hmm. mistake. I'm sorry. Like he, he got it wrong. And I said, so, and like, there's lots of things that got wrong, but I, I don't see any of this stuff that people are talking about. I'm around the guy all the time. Absolutely. Well, Alan, uh, tell the people where they could find you. At A. Saunders underscore PGH in a Volkswagen dealer, way more than I would like to be right now. Uh, and then you can find the site stuff at PGH Steelers now, SteelersNow.com. And the next time we speak, you will find me. I don't know where I'm going to actually be the next time we speak. So I don't <laughs> know. We'll see. Monday. Uh, I will be traveling to Mobile, Alabama. So I will be, I'm like a pro wrestler. They got to bill me from parts unknown because who <laughs> knows where on this trip I will be when we uh, get to speak, but that should be fun. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to a lot of stuff that we got. Coming by the up way, and... if you're a professional wrestler and you don't get billed from somewhere creative or funny, you're just lame. Like, I don't care if you're actually from Tulsa. Don't tell everyone you're from Tulsa. Like, be funny. It's Come on. Show some personality. Mankind used to be billed from the boiler room. Yeah. Uh, and Cactus Jack was from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, which is a real town, which named itself after the game show. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh I am billed from Monaco, Pennsylvania. Zachary Smith PGH is where you can find me on all social media accounts. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Hit us in the comments with any questions, any thoughts about what we talked about. If you can try to explain to us the whole Mike Tomlin thing, we would love to hear it. We would love to hear your opinion on that. Uh, leave us a five-star review if you listen somewhere else, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. For Alan Saunders and myself, thanks for jumping in Take another ride with us on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, 
all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 